Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and due respect and honor to the leadership of the house. I want us to get into the word of God this morning. And um, it's 2020 and the theme for Siloam is Explosion 2020, am I correct? We're talking about glory, we're talking about greatness, we're talking about growth and we're talking about grace in this year. Are you with me? You're going to stay with me on this morning, right? And on this morning, I, I would like to focus in on the subject of greatness and uh, entitle the message for this morning, From Stone to Sword. From Stone to Sword. And there are two points that I, I need to cover, but I think we'll jump to the second one on this, on this worship together. And in the next worship, we'll go back to the first one and wrap it up there. Now, greatness, your greatness, my greatness, is relative to the mind of the individual. It is dependent on the person that you're speaking to and, and where their mind and is at, what, how they have chosen to frame life for themselves. So greatness may mean one thing for the person on your left, but something else for the person on your right on this morning. And so it is... It is up to the individual mind. Uh, we were in discussions on, on Friday evening. We, we hosted um, an event to just bless entrepreneurs. And one of the subjects that we were talking about was on the continent of Africa. And it was mentioned that by the year 2022, we would have created 54 million jobs on the continent. Uh, but when you look at that statistic in terms of keeping up with population growth on the continent, the actual need is for 122 million jobs to be created. Now, when we hear those stats, some of us will be in a position to say, well, I'm part of the 54 million. I need a job right now. But somebody else may look at the 122 million and they will ask the question, how do I get involved in creating the 122 million jobs that are needed? And therein, in, in that space of thinking, in that shift between being the one or being the creator for the 100 million, in that space of thinking is where greatness is defined for you. Because some are in that space where getting the job and taking care of the family is their position for greatness right now. But there are others who would aim and reach beyond that based on where they come from. Two people growing up in the same household of lack. And for the one, achieving greatness means being employed and providing for the family on a month-to-month -month basis. For the other, greatness would mean the ability to set up an inheritance for his children and his children's children. The same household, but a, a different mindset toward the same subject. And so, you get to decide what greatness means to you. You get to decide that. But as children of God, I want to point out to us on this morning that in God's mind, greatness is that you and I become influences to places of authority. That doors be open and throne rooms be accessed by you and I so that we speak to influences. One of the prayers that we pray over at at, at church on a regular basis is that God will cause people to rise up in the congregation 
who would be influences of influences. There are certain spaces that a born-again believing child of God will not walk in, in terms of the government ranks of our society. And there are reasons that that will be so, depending on how we adhere to the standards of the Word of God. But they can take up positions where they sit at the table and speak to those who can make the final decision. And so they become influences to influences. And just to get to scripture in the book of Proverbs, to lay the foundation for us and to share with you what the basis is on which I come to you this morning. In the book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 16, the scripture says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Before I move on, I just want to say to Overseer Janine, I just tap into the anointing, sister. Because sometimes it feels like he's breaking you, but he's actually making you. And it looks all right, where it's supposed to look all right. But on the inside, there's a process that feels like a fire right now. But sometimes when it feels like he's breaking, he's actually making so just hold on. The book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse number 29. The scripture says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. A man who excels in his work will stand before kings, not before unknown men. God desires that when you take your gift, and operate with excellence in your gift. That doors of ranks will be opened up to you. So that you are set before great men. When God sets you before great men. He does not expect you just to be silent. The scripture says in the New Testament. Fear not when you come before great men. Because when you sit before them. The spirit of God will give you utterance. And place upon your lips what you should be speaking. So we understand that when God positions us before great men, then it is required of us to speak. Why do we speak? Because it is in the power of the word of God that we are able to influence. Because the word of God is authority. The word of God is life. The word of God gives instruction. The word of God is for correction. The word of God is to edify and to build up. So when places of authority don't have solutions and answers, they need to come to a child of God who can rightly divide the word of truth and deliver a solution when nobody else is able to deliver a solution, just like Joseph did. Deliver an interpretation when nobody else is able to deliver, just like Daniel did. I pray that we have some Daniels and some Josephs in the house on this morning. Now these two pieces of scripture in, 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 in Proverbs uh, tell us two different things. But we must bring them together to understand the fullness. The first is that your gift will make room for you and set you before great men. The second is that he who works in excellence will be presented before great men. Two things. 
the gift and one who works in excellence. Now the gift, child of God, is God's responsibility. The gift is the Holy Spirit's choice. They are gifts of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit and He is the administrator. He selects and chooses what gift you will operate in and He grants you the gift. But the excellence of the work, the excellence with which we work is not God's responsibility. It is the responsibility of you and I. God may give us a gifting, but how the gift is executed, whether or not we live up to the excellence of the gifting that is expected according to the proverb, is dependent on you and I. So your greatness, in other words, is dependent on your ability to work. Your greatness is dependent on your mindset for work. It is up to you and I to develop the gift. Develop it to what outcome? To the outcome of excellence. God does not expect that we be born with a gift and that when we're 13, 16, 21, we're unable to execute the gift any differently than when we were born. Another word for excellence in scripture is diligence. And diligence means that we persistently pursue. Pastor Mbata just tapped into so many things this morning. It just excited me. It is that we persistently pursue efficiency. That we desire for things to get better. In other words, the job that we're doing today, we should be doing better than we did last year. We should be more efficient. It should not have to take us the same amount of time. Our responsibilities should be growing because we are individuals who grow. And as we grow, we need more resources. And so we are able to equip and empower other people around us. And that helps us grow higher. We pursue excellence. We are diligent about how we can become more and more efficient. Why? Because the excellence gives glory to God. The excellence opens up the door for you and I. Excellence is an outcome. In other words, it is a result. It's a result of what has been invested. Excellence is a system output. Excellence is not something that is just magic. It does not appear out of thin air. When you see excellence, you are seated today in a really fine sanctuary. You're seated today in comfort and you have a sense of luxury about you actually coming into the house of God. But listen, somebody didn't wake up this morning, unlock the doors and just find everything here. You are seated today in what has taken about 40 years of investment. It took 40 years for it to get here. They're breaking down walls and they're putting things up next door. That's probably going to take them to another level of what the next 40 is going to look like. Hello, somebody. Excellence is an outcome of what has been invested. Now, when we look at our lives, our personal lives, the result that we see today speaks to what we have or have not invested. And even if you're happy with where you're at right now, I want to say to you, you have not reached the tipping point yet. There's still room for you to grow. There's still room for you to improve. I want to say to you, in fact, if you're not sitting with the kings, 
if the gift has not brought you before great men just yet, there's still some work to do. And some of the people you may have spoken to in the last two years, in the last five years, maybe ten years ago, you considered them great. But listen, after you have met the people you considered to be great, surely there are others who are greater. So there's always going to be room for you to grow. Let me shift to the crux of the matter on this morning. I want to go to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. I want to take us back to Sunday school a little bit. Is that okay with you? Let's just tap into some of our foundations. 1 Samuel, chapter 17. We're going to read from verse 40. Actually, let's just skip up to verse 45. Oh, let's read. We, we got time. Verse 40. Let's read the Bible. <laughs> Thank you for the amen. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. This is speaking of David. And put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. If you haven't already figured out, this is David and Goliath. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all his assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, but the Lord, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword drew it out its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. 
from stone to sword. David comes out onto the battlefield with what he knew and what he had. When he is questioned prior to the reading of the text, he is asked, how are you going to do this battle? And his response is that I have fought the lion and the bear, and the same God who delivered me there is the God who will be with me now in this battle. And he shows up on the battlefield, and he has his shepherd's bag, and he's got some stones with him, and he's got his sling, and he's got his shepherd's staff. It's a shepherd boy showing up on the battlefield. I know you heard this in Sunday school before. What I do know is that when they tried to put Saul's armor on the shepherd boy, the armor was too big. But here he comes. And watch this. He already has a plan on his mind. So the giant shows up to taunt him and says, I'm going to do all of this stuff to you. He says before the actual fight, before he even engages, the shepherd boy has the battle strategy of a king in his mind. And he says to Goliath, not only am I going to take you down, but I'm going to take your head from you. There's a problem. If he was going to use the stone to take off the head, he was going to have a serious challenge. He did not have the right tool. He didn't have the right kind of weapon just yet. But he had a plan in mind. He knew what the end point, actually just the beginning point of the victory was going to be. He didn't know just how it was going to work out. But he knew it was going to work out. Child of God, I hope and pray that seated here today, you understand that God wants you before great men. I don't know how he's going to get you there. And the journey you've had thus far may not say to you that you're going to get there. But when you make up your mind, when you destine in your heart, when you determine in your heart, I am not going out a failure. I will not run from this battlefield. I will charge the enemy. I will pursue the enemy. And I'm going to take his head from him. Now watch this. David did not run away from the enemy. David didn't run from the enemy. David ran in the direction of the army. Oh my God. He ran in the direction. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh Jesus. I, I, know, I know there's days you want to pray that prayer. Lord, you won't put more on me than I can bear. So show me a route of escape. But in this valley called Elah, here's a little boy. 
is a shepherd boy who doesn't quite have all of the tools. He didn't get all the kind of training that his enemy had. But right here in this valley, he figures there is no route of escape. I showed up in this valley and there's only one way to get out of this valley. I cannot retreat because then I would shame my God. But I came to stand here for the name of my God. And the only way to get out this valley is to go through that giant. Some of you don't have a route of escape because there's no need for it. Because watch this, the Lord of hosts is the one who is with you. Child of God, we need a relationship with God that positions us at a place of intimacy where we understand who He is and how He will show up and manifest in the situation as is specifically necessary for where you are. David does not call on Jehovah Rapha because he does not need any healing. He does not, even though Moses had won a battle through Jehovah Nissi. David does not say that I need Jehovah Nissi right now. He says very specifically, the Lord of hosts. When you call on the name of the Lord of hosts, you are calling on the commander and chief of the armies of heaven. David was not in the hospital. He did not need the healer. David was not in a place where he was looking for bread. He did not need Jireh. David was on the battlefield. He needed the commander and the chief of the armies of heaven who rides in battle armor on his white horse and on one side a robe that runs down and says the king of kings on the other side the lord of lords. The one whose voice the armies listen to. You are fighting this morning, child of God. But do you know what battle you are in? And are you talking to God from a place of understanding? Because if you are in Elah fighting a battle, Rapha's not going to show up. Moses said, who shall I say? And he said, I am. God wants to be the I am. But it's a problem when we don't understand that he's already there. We just don't see him. Because he shows up to manifest here and we're looking over there. Because we think that he did it for my uncle and my auntie that way. So he's going to show up and do it the same way for me. We're sitting here thinking, well, he did it this way before. He's going to do it the same way again. Mm -mm. That was the strategy for the lion and the bear. But here's a strategy for the battle of now. What's your strategy for your battle now, child of God? Who are you fighting? What is this battle? Who is your God? How does he respond to this situation? He's waiting for you to get to know who you are. And the only way you're going to get to know who you are is when you understand who he is. So get to know who your God is. And when you get to know who your God is, you get his perspective on the matter. When you get his perspective, you get the revelation of who it is that is standing with you. The Lord of hosts was in the valley with him. And he runs in the direction of the enemy. 
child of God, some of you are sitting and the opportunities are right there before you. You're trying to curse the devil. You're trying to bind demonic powers. And God is trying to tell you the problem that's in front of you has nothing to do with the kingdom of darkness. It's got to do with the gift that's on the inside of you. And if you do not run and face this problem head on, the gift that's on the inside of you is not going to be stretched. You are not going to figure out what I've really put on the inside of you. The battle that is ahead of you requires the gift that's on the inside of you. And God knew exactly how to set you up. He knew exactly how to set you up so that he can draw out of you what's on the inside of you. Here's what David does. Here's a little shepherd boy. Shepherd boy. For who Saul's armor was too heavy. But David does something that amazes me. The giant goes down. And sometimes, child of God, we get so excited at that point. We see him falling. You know, he's like a little bit dizzy. Like he's losing balance. And can, can you imagine David's mind? Like, did I get him? Like, like, was it at the right spot? Was there enough of muscle and strength? It's the direction. Correct. Did the wind carry the stone the way it was supposed to? Did it plant in there? I see him losing balance, but is he going to go down? And maybe he pulled out another one and he was just about to get ready. And the giant sways and all of a sudden the earth under his feet begins to shake. And there is a mighty thud because the giant has fallen. But child of God. That was only the start of the battle. How many of us have gotten so wound up and excited when the giant fell? We forgot that it's only the start. Watch what he does. He runs because there is no sword. He said to the giant, I'm going to get your head. But he runs to the giant because he doesn't have a sword on him. And the scripture says that from the sheath, he pulls out the giant's sword. Hold up. A little boy, too weak to wear the king's armor. The king was no giant. The king was just an ordinary man. But the same little boy who has no strength to wear an armor from the king. Is the same little boy who gets down beside the giant. Gets a hold of that sword. That is the sword of a giant. And he pulls. And maybe he stumbles. And he falls back. But he gets up again. And he pulls. And he pulls. And he pulls. And he pulls and he's exhausted and he's out of breath. But it's not over because though he's down, I don't have his head yet. And as long as he still has his head, 
His army are still standing in rank and fire. As long as his head is on, they are still waiting for their champion to get up. How many times you started jumping because you thought you had the victory? But child of God, you quit too early. Got so excited by all of the screams, the shout, the thrills and all of that. And didn't take the time to observe the landscape and see that right there on the other side of the valley, the army is still standing in rank and file. The only thing that's going to cause the army to flee is when the head comes off. So exhausted and weary. The same boy, too weak to wear an armor, suddenly has the strength to wield the sword of a giant. Child of God, you may be small. But you can still be strong. They may see you and think you're way too small. You got to stand up and say, yeah, but I'm strong enough, baby. I'm strong enough. I came only with my stones. But because you see me with my stones, don't think that I don't pack anything else under this robe that I'm wearing. Just because you see me playing with the stones uh, don't mean that in the midst of the battle I can't give up the stones uh, and take up a sword. How did he do the switch? I don't know. Maybe he showed up stronger than we thought he was. Maybe God used the adrenaline that was pumping on the inside of him. And now because all of those chemicals were just pumping... And a boy of his age, all of that testosterone, he was able to pull this thing up. I don't know what God used. But I know this. The same boy who was too small for the armor. The same boy who was too small for a giant. The same boy who was too small was still strong. And here's what I'm saying to you, child of God, on this morning. You've got to work towards your place of excellence. While you're still in the small place, build your strength. While you're still outside the valley, while you're still a cheese boy, while your brothers are still taunting you, while you're taking care of daddy's sheep, you got to be pumping some iron. You got to be lifting some weight. Get your six pack on. Get your biceps together. Get your core strengthened. Because there's coming a day ahead of you. Nobody can see it yet. Nobody knows why you're working out the way you're working out. But there's coming a day that you are set to take over. Let me talk to some people in business this morning. You came into the industry. And they thought that you were little something nobody. You came into the industry and they thought that, well, yeah, just another fly by night. But I want to ask you today, 
Can you build some strength? Can you build some muscle? They call you a small time business. But in your little small little corner, can you build some strength and some muscle? Can you build inside of you some process? Can you build inside of you some system? Can you get inside of you some structure? Can you build this thing? Can you be a one man organization? Can you respond to your queries? Can you respond to your orders? Can you deliver a service that makes them think that there's a whole organization behind you? Can you build your muscle when everybody else sees you looking small? What are you doing to build this gift to excellence? Because there's coming a day. Watch this. The sword will not belong to you. It is the sword that the enemy is carrying. He only had stones. Where was the sword? In the hands of the enemy. I came to tell somebody today, don't run from the battle. The weapon of your victory is in the hand of your enemy. And the only way you're going to get that weapon out of their hand is the day you take them down. They don't see you now. You look too small. But get your slingshot your accuracy, your focus ready and build your strength. Because when you take them down, child of God, the sword then comes into your hand. And you stand up and you say, you uncircumcised Philistine, I'm going to get your head. And when he takes that head off, the whole Philistine army begins to flee. It's just the starting point of the battle. Disruption, child of God, never comes from your industry. Never comes from the same industry that you are in. Disruption will always come outside. Why? Because in the industry that you are in, we're so focused in the competitors in that industry. We're so focused on the market in that industry and what their regular behavior patterns are. We forget to look outside the box. Then somebody shows up who's a little fledgling from the side and they have just had the space to dream and the space to innovate and the space to create and the space to be a little bit crazy. And what do they come? They come from outside of your industry and they come and disrupt and they take over what you have been doing for years. But get out of the pattern of doing the same thing over and over again. Take some time to step out. Take some time to lock the doors. Take some time to step into somebody else's business. Take some time for coffee. Make yourself your own competitor. Begin to beat yourself. What was your results on your last exam? Go ahead and beat that result. What was the last K that you ran? What time limit did you do it in? Beat that time. Beat that K. Beat that average. How far did you cycle the last time? Beat that. Beat yourself day after day after day after day. Because nobody may see you. But there you are taking care of daddy's sheep. Nobody saw the bear coming, but the bear came and you fought it. Nobody saw the lion coming, but the lion showed up and he fought it. Nobody saw the battles that David was fighting in daddy's backyard. His brothers didn't know that he could fight a lion and a bear. But he knew. When you're in your little corner back room trying to operate things, nobody sees the day-to-day -day victories that you are winning. But I came to tell you, keep winning. Keep winning. Keep winning. Every day, just beat yourself. Don't you care about what other people have to say about you. Just beat yourself. Beat your last victory. Beat your last win. Beat the last measure that you measured yourself against. And get better. 
Because as you do that, one day you're going to step about to deliver some cheese. And you're going to hear some noise in the valley. And when you see that giant, you're just going to know, hey, hey, today, today is my day. So I want to encourage you, child of God. You want to get to your place of greatness? Number one, God's given you a gift. Number two, God expects you to execute your gift with excellence. And as you do that, build your capacity so that when it is required of you, you can shift from playing with the stones and actually wield a sword in your hand. When you show up on the battleground, be strong enough already. When you show up on the battleground, be determined and committed that I'm going to stay here till the end. You're not called to quit. You're called to conquer. You're not called just to do business in that arena. You are called to take over in that industry. The Lord bless you this morning.